Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. And for those of you who weren't with me last week, I talked about the fact that I really wanted to give a voice 
to those who weren't given a voice about something that went on and just sort of caught my eye in the NFL. Because what I try to do is really bring back the curtain on what's happening inside the big sports, sports. leagues and inside sports in general. With my background as 10 years as an agent representing top players, 10 years running a team in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and now doing academia and media and broadcasting and podcasting and writing and teaching. And of course, here uh, with my newsletter and also here on Clubhouse, Washington football team had an investigation into their practices, their workplace, their sexual harassment, toxicity in their workplace over a period of time that was probably 10 to 12 years. That investigation was run by an attorney named Beth Wilkinson, a respected attorney in Washington. And she interviewed over 100 hours of testimony from women and men that worked in that organization. And that was taken seriously at that time. But this summer, the report was given to the NFL. And surprisingly, it was an oral report. So there's no written report. There's no record of the findings. And they may be stuffed in a drawer somewhere. And there was a fine of $10 million given to the organization. And it was kind of wrapped up. With the John Gruden emails that happened a month ago, and John Gruden, of course, was fired from the Raiders, it sort of brought to light again the fact that this went on for 10, 12 years in Washington without real penalties that hit the light of day without a written report. I raised this issue in my writing, in my social media, and I sort of got people looking in, looking at me. So. The lawyer representing these women wanted to speak, and I had her on my podcast. Her name's Lisa Banks, and she just said, I don't get it. They, they interviewed our, these women. They seem serious. They were lawyers galore. They wrote down. They spent a lot of time. They heard all their complaints, and nothing happened. And there's an oral report, and we don't know a written report of the findings. And then after that, I had some of the women affected who were working there reach out, and I gave them a voice on my podcast and had two of them talk about their experiences, which included constantly being told to wear tight dresses and skirts, never wear pants, always wear high heels, never wear flats, do not look the owner, Daniel Snyder, in the eye, do not use doors near his office to enter or exit the building. Do not engage with him and do not speak to him. Also, there was a woman that handled shoots for the cheerleaders and was told to spray water at them and to make what she described as a porn video. And she refused to do that. This all went on for a long time. There was a time in the middle of that where new executives were hired, talked about hiring HR people, talked about changing the culture, and these women were highly encouraged only to see those executives fired within months. So I gave them a voice, and listen, the NFL moves on, as we all do, including myself. There's more drama, there's other stories, there's other news in sports, the Braves winning the World Series, etc. And we go on to the next drama, the next saga, the next story. But 
I just wanted to give them a voice. And then just to share with the group what happened next was I heard from Congress. So the Congress House Oversight Committee has decided they're going to look into this, not because of me, but because of other reports and others. The Gruden emails kind of showing a brazen nature of how people speak in the league, and they want to look into it because the NFL has such an impact on this country. It's the most popular television program in the history of, of television, and they're looking into it. So a worker, a staffer for Carolyn Maloney, who's chairman of the House Oversight Committee from New York, she, this worker, this staffer reached out and just asked me what I knew, wanted my insights, wanted my background working with the league and what I thought. And we had a nice discussion. Now, what can Congress do? We don't know. They can subpoena some of those findings, but really that's it. Sort of bring it out into the light. And as I say, the NFL can ignore the media, they can ignore fans, they can ignore lawyers, but it's hard to ignore Congress especially if they're going to be subpoenas and they're going to be statements and all those things. So that's kind of the postscript is what I talked about last week. I think sometimes we look at these sports leagues as monolithic and sometimes oligarchical, and they can be that way. They can because of the power they hold over not only um, – the country, but the media, because these media partners are paying billions of dollars. Because like I said, there's no programming on television, on broadcast, like NFL programming. 47 of the top 50 shows and ratings in 2020 were NFL. So that's what we're dealing with. And I just think it's... Um, it was important to give these women a voice. Hopefully, they're appreciative. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what comes out of that. Um, but it's always on to another story, which, speaking of which, two nights ago, a receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders, we're talking a lot about the Raiders because John Gruden's emails got him fired there two weeks ago. His name is Henry Ruggs. He's a receiver. He was the top draft pick for the team last year. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He was a first-round pick out of Alabama. Henry was in a car crash where he was driving intoxicated on Monday night, Tuesday morning, 3.30 in the morning. And the passenger, the person that he hit, the car involved, uh, the driver's deceased. So now we have a situation where a player on the team on a bye week for the Raiders has become involved with a deadly accident. So first, there's statements that the Raiders are looking into this. There's obviously nothing from rugs. There's statements from the Las Vegas police as to what happened. And word out this morning from the Raiders is they've released this player. They've cut him. They've separated him from the team. 
And it sort of got me thinking, and I did a radio show this morning, like, would I have done that? I just don't know. I mean, you're weighing such a sensitive situation, uh, a potential felony charge, DUI, uh, with, with a homicide. Um, I don't know. Part of me would have been, would have thinks I would have been more compassionate kept him around to have him have some sort of community while going through this legal battle he's obviously going to face he's not going to play obviously uh and part of me understands why they just need to separate from that it's such a tragedy that put the player out there but as as obviously we feel for the family of the deceased i do wonder if this player is going to be okay uh, without the hey listeners if you enjoy listening to breakfast with champions we can bet you care about your daily routine do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine it's the perfect morning glenn has written a free ebook called the morning five five simple steps to an extraordinary morning if you can transform your morning you can transform your life head on over to the morningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day e being extricated from the team and without that community and without that team aspect that he's been used to since he was a kid. Um, so I just raised that as another thing going on that's caught my eye and has me thinking in my former roles as agent, where I would definitely be all over empathizing with this young guy and of course team, which the Raiders have decided to exit stage left with rugs. So with that um, sharing, I'd like to sort of open it up and see if there are comments, questions, where we can maybe even get deeper into these things. Hey, Andrew, this is Ramon Ray. I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Hey, Ramon. Hey, can you give us a bit more background over the inside of what happens when incidents like this? I'm not into football at all. I love the sport, but, you know, I'm not a, like, like, like you and Sarah are and others. And what happens? A gentleman kills somebody in a car accident, allegedly. He's drunk. Are, is the team looking at political ramifications? Are they looking at team ramifications? Are there legal things they must do? Can you just put a bow in that a bit more to us lay people, you know, what goes on? Because if if something like that happened in a private office, right, I could still work as long, whatever the law says the law says, but it doesn't really impact me being a, you know, working at Dwayne Reed or something. So if you could help it in that light, if that, if that makes sense, what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, Ramon, that's a great question. I think when there's crisis and things like this, it's all hands on deck, especially an organization in the NFL that has so much public attention. Um, what I would do when we had, obviously I never dealt with a player that had just potentially killed someone uh, in an auto accident. I never had to deal with that. But when there are these crises, you have to reach out and get your story from the, on the same page with two parties, one, the player, and two, the agent manager, lawyer, whatever that is, players have gateways, right? And as management, I always said, who's the gateway? Who's the person that is going to be in touch with the player that's gonna give me the straight story that I'm gonna have a relationship with and know exactly what we're dealing with? I always worked at developing relationships with agents. As you know, I was an agent for 10 years and make sure when these moments you needed that, you had the communication and relationship. 
to really get on the same page. Then it's the communication with the player. And that is going to depend on the player and the situation. Sometimes it's the coach, the head coach, but usually it's either position coach that's much closer to them, some other player on the team that may be a leader that's close to them, or someone who may be a trainer, an equipment manager, a strength and conditioning person, uh, anyone that you feel like they've got the ear. Because you're going to put out a statement, as I did for many times, saying we're aware of the situation, we're looking into it, we'll have no further comment at this time. That's the public statement. But privately, it's all hands on deck. And get your story straight. And do not let other facts, other uh, potential facts get out there before you have a hold of them. So crisis management, just like any situation in or out of sports, communication is the key and messaging is the key because, you know, the Raiders probably got together and just talked about what I just talked about. We can continue to have them on the team. It's going to be a distraction, but we'll show empathy. Or we can move on, let him deal with his legal situation and let's just regroup beyond him. There's the talent factor, of course, which is beyond all this. He's a great talent. And I always say greater talent equals greater tolerance, whether you're in sports, business, etc. But at this situation, it's an outlier, even for great talent like Ruggs. And um, just sad. I met this kid when he was training for the draft. Quiet, unassuming kid. And now he's just in a, a very, very difficult situation. Hey, Andrew. Thank you. This is Bizak. Hey. How How are you? Good morning to you, Andrew. Um, Good morning. So, Andrew, could you speak to, I mean, part of that decision, do you believe, based on your own experience, that part of that conversation or decision um, led them back to their to his contract? Because typically there's, you know, there's morality clauses. There's other clauses with regards to if somebody gets into uh, legal trouble that uh, I believe allows the team to extricate themselves from a contract and from being, um, you know, encumbered uh, legally to be on the hook for a, a lot of money uh, down the road. Is, do you think yeah. that played a part? Yeah, I do. I mean, listen, the Raiders um, are one of the more cash poor teams, so maybe that's a part of it as well. Um, they've always been run by a football guy, meaning Al Davis, now his son, Mark Davis, not someone who came from a lot of wealth. And it's interesting because, you know, there was talk about the John Gruden contract and with 50 million left on the deal, how much they got out of, what they have to settle, is it lawsuits, etc. So with players, here's the deal. Henry Ruggs was a first round pick. First round picks get fully guaranteed contracts. He's in his second year of a four-year deal, so there's a lot of guaranteed money left on that contract. However, they would argue that this would void future guarantees, meaning there was a violation of morality clause, there was a violation of bringing disrepute to the organization, and a felony charge or two. If I'm the player's side, I would argue that they gave up that right to give up they gave up that right to void the guaranteed salary by cutting him. 
If they had kept him, yes, they could not pay him going forward and have him on this exempt list or whatever it may be. But this is going to come down to a grievance and lawyers and all those kind of things because there's a lot of money at stake. And when there's a lot of money at stake, we're going to see litigation. But of course, you know, that's in the background. But that would have definitely been part of these discussions where, again, news came out yesterday, vehicular accident left someone deceased. And then within hours, the player who's one of their best players no longer with the team. I would think that the NFLPA, the Players Association, if if they don't jump up, cry foul, that's a pretty good indicator of, I would think, wouldn't you, of, of either them sitting there saying, hey, you know, we would love to help you, but man, oh man, this you don't have you don't have much to stand on here. Yeah, I mean, listen, the union's in a tough job because people remember things like um, there was a bounty case one year. The New Orleans Saints supposedly like had bounties out on players. Players were suspended. The New Orleans Saints represented these bounty these players going after other players, and people are like, how could they defend them? Because they're actually hurting other players in the union. It's tough. They have to make decisions because the facts are not good. The union defended and is still defending, I believe, Aaron Hernandez, convicted of murder, who later killed himself, the estate, in trying to get their guaranteed money from the New England Patriots. And people, again, why would the union do that? Because it's always about the bigger picture, right? It's always about the next time. So we don't want, from the union side, we don't want teams thinking they can just blow out of contracts because of the optics. So I get if the union takes this case, or as you said, if they don't. Because what they're doing now is setting a precedent for the next time. And in the Aaron Hernandez case, they didn't want teams to just jump out of guaranteed contracts because of optics and before the obvious innocent until proven guilty. You know, we have a situation with the Houston team where they continue to have Deshaun Watson on the team, their star young quarterback, accused of sexual misconduct with 22 civil lawsuits and 10 criminal complaints. He's getting paid, but he's not playing. So this is one of the best young players in the league. And basically there's this silent agreement, it seems, where he's told to go off, stay away, shut up, and we'll pay you. So it, again, optics are everything. It's teams like the NFL and the Houston Texans have decided, okay, we are no way in God's green earth are we gonna let this guy on a playing field in a, with an audience we're trying to appeal to a lot of women but no one really knows. It's, it's not really out there. But Andrew, do you, do you think from a woman, I'd be interested for, you know, uh, Sarah being a big fan, others being big fans, from a women's per, woman's perspective, is this option any better? Okay, see, so he's not going to be on a field, but you're going to let him a little bit off the hook. He gets to get his full pay, and there's, at this point, no ramifications. Sarah, I, I'm just curious 
do you think or do you think from a woman's perspective that would i don't know you know it's it's bizarre is kind of what comes to mind for me and i, I see nisha's on stage too who's also a huge football fan i just um you know i'm listening to everything that you're saying and i actually really appreciated ramon's question and your answer andrew around why is it so different for the nfl i think that's a really interesting thread to pull that when you talk about this amount of money this amount of fame this amount of fandom that it's it's strange in a way that we almost throw out the rules of morality because to ramon's point if you took any of these stories and if it was like a teacher or a you know, person who owned a restaurant or whatever the case may be, drove drunk and killed someone or assaulted dozens of women or whatever the case, allegedly, right? Would that person continue, especially in this day and age of, you know, of, you know, whenever there's misconduct, you see people come out in droves on social media and in the community, would those people be allowed to continue getting paid? There's a super interesting conversation here around like, you know, the NFL and players in the NFL kind of being untouchable. Um, and so yeah. I don't know necessarily that it flags differently for me as a woman because sexual misconduct is involved. I think overarchingly, it's fascinating to me, this discussion of why is bad behavior different? Or I think we know why, but that's kind of where my, where my mind goes and kind of the, the thought that I'm, that I'm walking Sarah, down. Sarah, Sarah, I think, don't you think it's because or, Andrew, don't you think it's a difference between an, an institution or a business versus a product where the NFL is a, a multi, multi-billion dollar product? Yeah, and the product is players, and the product yes. is human talent. So what happens, every organization is different, Sarah, and unfortunately, there is no kind of commonality of standards, and this is through all sports. Hockey just had a situation with a sexual assault charge and basketball and baseball and tennis etc and it's this talent slash character equation when you're trying to build a team how much will you tolerate on the character side for greater talent and that's always a discussion and maybe it's a discussion outside of sports i know it is but i just continue i may have mentioned this story before i think about a time in green bay when I had a defensive line coach, you know, probably a guy like 6'5", 250 pounds in my face saying he wanted to bring in this player. And I looked at the rap sheet on this player. It was like a, a block long. Sexual assault, drunken disorderly, sexual violence, domestic violence, uh, disorderly. I mean, it was crazy. And I said, we are not bringing in this player. And he looks at me and he says, Andrew, what do you think we're asking him to do? And I said, what do you mean? He said, we're not asking him to come in here and teach seventh grade choir, right? We're not asking him to come in here and be an altar boy. We want him to come in here and fight 75 times a day and win those fights. <laughs> and I said, I understand, but we're bigger than the field here. We're bigger than what goes on. We have a responsibility to the community, especially in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the entire state and region wraps themselves around the team like no other. And owns the team. And so I Andrew, won that. I think, 
I won that battle, but I lost others. I, well, I lost others. I'm so glad you, you know, did because I, I also think. Like, oh, I didn't mean to speak over someone. Go for it. No, that was me, Sarah. Alex Alexander, you go, Sarah. You go, and then I'll go. Um, no, I was just saying, Andrew. I'm so glad you took that stance because I also think about. I do think that there are choices that the team management makes because I think about all of the players with all of the fanfare who are high draft picks who potentially underperform, get injured, whatever the case may be. And so why can't we? And then you think about, you know, that that amazing, um, the sea biscuits, right? The undrafted, the mm -hmm. D3, those players who feel like, why can't there be kind of some morality that falls into that where you say, we're not going to go for this guy. We're going to go to this person who's maybe, you know, one degree less on this or that, but is, has better character. So I think that's a really interesting point that you raised. And uh, I'm sorry to whoever I spoke over. No, this is Alexander Saren. You never, ever apologize. You can always speak over me. But this is the thing is that, you know, I went to Florida State University and I was there, mm -hmm. and, you know, right after, you know, just winning the national championship for the second time. You know, Winky was slaying it. And then we mm -hmm. had just on a winning team and we would see these students, right, come in as freshmen and they'd be studs, studs on the field. And all of a sudden, by the time we were juniors, they were driving Escalades. They were kind of above the law, even if, it, if you will, at school. You know, and the program can't give them the money, but friends of the program can do whatever. So that was like the running joke at Florida State University. Oh, friends of the program, friends of the program, because we'd see these, you know, just a lot of money being thrown towards people's direction to keep them happy. Right. So what I think what happens is we start, we see this star potential, this talent, and then we start to train them that they are untouchable, that they can do no wrong. And that continues to permeate into their life as they go. And then they do things that are a little bit further past the constructs, normal constructs of morality, because they have for so long from such a young age thought that they were untouchable. And I think that we need to take it back all the way to the collegiate and maybe even high school level where part of your skill. So, for example, I coached volleyball at the collegiate level. Volleyball, very different than football. Volleyball, you don't go on to make millions. At least, you know, very few people do. Um, but there is a very high moral and academic code in the, in, in the game of volleyball to the point that out of all collegiate sports, volleyball has the highest GPA, etc. There is an expectation that who you are off the court matters just as much as who you are on the court. And I think that that needs to be the shift that's made in football so that when we do get to these places with $50 million contracts, the mentality isn't I am better than the rest, I'm above the law. The mentality is I'm here to serve my constituents. I'm here to serve my fans and give them the best show possible. Because at the end of the day, they're showmen. That's what they are. And um, I, I think that we need to really start this conversation at a much earlier age before these men. Like what happened to Heron Hernandez, you know, horrific that he did what he did, but horrific that he chose to take his life. You know, uh, it's it, it just it's just it's a lot. And I think that we need to start with this moral code at a much early age in the game of football. And it needs to be synonymous to be a football player is to be an upstanding citizen. And that's my opinion. This is Alexander. Thanks, Alexander. I think I've seen it more than anyone where when you have extreme talent in sports, they are lavish praise on you from sixth grade on and but what I have seen is the people that really excel, that get to the elite of the elite, they can't do it with the attitude as I'm better than everyone else. And I've said this often here, 
there is a work ethic and a self-discipline that goes beyond the talent that gets people to the highest levels. And I've seen it all the time. Yes, you're going to get the entitled people that have relied on talent alone to get there. But I've learned through 30 years experience in sports something very simple. Character counts. Character counts. It always counts. And I think the Packers, at least from my experience, have been a very successful team over the years and haven't gone for low character because we've been burned and I've been in those situations. So you have a player like Brett Favre or a player like Aaron Rodgers and they're your best players and they have extremely high character and work ethic. And that's always going to share the best part of the best thing to happen for sports franchises is when your best players have the best character, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Russell Wilson, always, always is going to improve the work ethic of your team. So yes, there are going to be those entitled out there, but character counts. Hey, Andrew. Mm. It's Nisha. Really quick, um, really quick thought. um, And I know we're kind of bleeding into David's segment. So I want to make it quick. I'm wondering in the case of Henry Ruggs um, and and just, I mean, such an unfortunate situation that happened and, and the loss of life there, you know, you know, if the NFL could come up with some sort of initiative, because we've heard you know, this is a, isn't the first time that there's been a situation where, you know, somebody has had like a DUI or something. Maybe maybe nobody has, you know, passed away as a result, but these things happen. What if there was an initiative where, I mean, I don't know if they could partner with Uber or car services, like, you know, and something that says you are not able to, you're going to go out, you're unable to drive. You know, we're oh. protecting you from that perspective so that you don't get into this because I just think just such sadness around this guy's career but most importantly the person who passed away as a result of, he just like somebody else could have drove like I, I think something that feels so difficult could have been simple um, and I don't know if, the, if, if it's their responsibility to um, have an initiative but maybe it's something to think about when, when things like this happen this is Nisha I'm done Nisha in Green Bay we give out keychains that would give a number for a ride. Sometimes it was a service we used. Sometimes it was our security people. It was used sometimes, but here's the, here's the brutal fact. Players were hesitant to use that service because they didn't trust that it would get back to us, me, management, that they're out there drunk. And I, it's unfortunate, but that's the big brother thought of, part of it that sometimes people think about more. It's just, you wish, you know, and I'm sure the Raiders had that. And then, of course, obviously, there's Uber and there's Lyft and there's everything else. But, yes, you just wish that would happen. All right, I'm going to sign off in a minute and give it over to my friend David. Let me give you a couple things going on. Obviously, um, my newsletter is packed with this kind of stuff. Go to andrew-brandt.com or my Instagram, andrewbrandt2, just let me know. Um I do this Twitch thing on Thursday nights where I streamcast the games for the NFL and Amazon. I just have a little box of me talking through the game. Uh, I'm going to have a couple guests tomorrow, which I think is going to include, it's a Jets game, Jets superfan Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, a lot of you know. So tune in. I'll try to get, it's not 
confirm, but I think Gary's going to come on and talk about his fandom on the Jets and how he wants to buy the team one day. So that'll be fun, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.